Welcome everybody to the Robert John and the Wreck Podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Andrew. I'm Robert. I'm Henry. I'm Warren. And today we have a very special guest, Miss Christina Bunkers with us. Henry, what note is that? That was a G. Oh, I knew it. If anyone doesn't know, Henry has perfect pitch. Yeah, it's, I, it's not perfect. It's 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 perfect, pretty damn close. Perfect ish. Ninety eight percent. It's like pretty good. Hold on, let's try it out. Um, that's not a good example. Let's see. If I can... <laughs> what are you hitting it with? A straw? It's a. Do we have anything made finger? out of metal? It's like with your finger. Ow! Fuck! Why you? That hurts so bad. Anyway, Christina <laughs> is the well, assistant director. <laughs> Christina is the assistant director at Fusion Academy, which is a, uh, a private school. Middle uh, school and high middle school. Middle school and high school, grades 6 through 12, that uh, focus on one-on-one uh, teaching to get kids better education. And uh, welcome. Thank nice. you. Welcome. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. I'm still interested in this perfect pitch thing. Let me see if I can... Please is don't that break, don't break my glasses, in that. Yeah, an, a an A and a C? An a okay, a what C. about this one? Oh, my God. I think you have to hold it by the base e so that it rings well out a little bit more. A and the C. Okay, that has the most evident form of a G right there. And there's other harmonics underneath oh. that, but there's a G. Evident form of a G. Out. Oh, we need to like take <laughs> some bets and some bars or oh, something. Oh, it's definitely a G. See? It ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. It's good. You can guess the pitch of the... Doesn't Whatever evident form of a G sound like a like a like a hip hop album title? It does. It does. Yeah. I'm an I evident think, uh, form I think of a G. You just sparked uh, some interest for me. Uh, if anybody doesn't re- know this, for, for I, your I next hip hop album, yes. I do have uh, ambitions <laughs> to release a hip hop album uh, at some point in my life. What's your <laughs> rap name? I'll tell you after the podcast is over. Oh. I think we're going to make up at least 100 for you during can the we, podcast. Can we go around and, uh, and, and just say our I already our decided on what it is a long time ago, <laughs> just so you know, but that's okay. Oh. Can, I will, I'll take then suggestions, because if it's better than the one that I have, then I might take that one. Is it a little dicky? It's pretty close, but it's not. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't ever gotten that. I is have. It, I get it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I get okay. it all the time. <laughs> is it Big Dicky? I get it almost as big much Dickie? as I get Colin Kaepernick. That would be good. That'd be oh. good. That's a good joke, War. You just go, no, I'm not a little Dicky. I'm, I'm Big Dicky. Yeah. yeah, I'll do that from now on. <laughs> it's a good suggestion. But it's like calling like a giant man tiny, right? Is it one of those things? I don't have to think about it that much. I have much. no idea. We I don't think I've ever met right. Mantini. So we played a couple times this week, right? Yeah, I think so. We marine rooms. We where else do we? Oh, we did that trio thing. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. usually tell people about those sorts of gigs because we just like to do them for our friends. But we played as the Robert John Trio, which is what we did a lot before uh, Henry and Warren had joined the band, or when Henry and Warren were. Uh, like really new so we couldn't necessarily play gigs as the five piece and go on tour yet and we had a long time to sort of be prepping them for the Mulan Blues Festival Mm. so me Robert and Steve used to do trio gigs and that's where I think Steve really perfected his left hand bass and playing solos at the same time not not perfected but it definitely got (laughs) it got better I think yeah it was fun we actually played it well South by Southwest isn't quite coming up 
right now, but we played it at South by Southwest two years ago as a trio. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that was fun. And then this year, it got canceled. Well, some of it got canceled, right? Yeah. Some of it. Yeah. Well, the whole official mm. thing got canceled. So everything that's an official South by Southwest like conference or anything like that isn't happening anymore. I think all the tech companies pulled out of what was going to happen in South by Southwest, and then they pulled out. So I think it's bar to bar and uh, like venue to venue, depending on what they're doing. We're still going. We are. We're still, We're going. still Our thing was always unofficial, and our official showcase is still happening. Yes, yeah. so, it is. So um, I think they're just taking it on a case-by-case basis at this point. We've been joining all these groups to see who's like still doing stuff at South by and still not, and uh, it's like... A mixed bag. There's some pretty big artists still coming, like from internationally, and just going like, "Fuck yeah. it, we're yeah. still playing." Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. I heard Italy completely shut down its whole entire traveling system and everything today because they went from like 233 deaths to like 360 in wow. in 24 hours or something. But I heard something like Japan's like school systems got shut down too for a bit, like or at least a couple schools. Damn. Yeah, well, and then we've had a lot Quillet. of stuff canceled just in my own work. Just yeah, you're talking about that. That'd be so, like, so you work for an events company that uh, does a lot of tech events, right? Yeah, I probably can't get super deep into what sort of events. Yes, canceled, just, just describe but, that. But yeah, so, we're a yes. bit. We we I work for a tech a tech. Not even a tech company. I work for a company that does these big sort of events for these tech companies. And just like festival season, right now is the same thing for these tech companies mm-hmm. that they have these giant showcases. And um, a lot of them are getting canceled because they, it takes – there's a th- thousands of people who come out. And essentially what I'm getting from it is anything that is a giant crowd of people is a huge concern to anybody. Yeah that might have the disease or spread it. So I think it, it outside of tech companies, I think it's going to be a major issue for anything that involves um, a ton of people. And, you know, the next thing that I think of aside from that is like Coachella, like if they're going to shut down South by Southwest, Coachella is right around the corner oh, and stagecoach mm-hmm. and yeah. stagecoach after that. And then, you know, and everything else that that's in California. So those are the ones that I'm like, okay, that seems, but you know, I, th- I think, bon- I don't know what Bonnaroo is, but all the other ones, but there's all these festivals. I'm sure yeah, just gonna some of them are going to drop off and that's a big, uh, that's a huge deal for, you know, for, for yeah. All These sorts all of companies. Multi-million dollar festivals yeah. that, like, employ, you know, thousands of people yeah, in the neighborhood. And then all the restaurants parts. and, like, other things that get the travel bump from all those people coming into that town. It's, like, a big deal. Uh, Pearl Jam just canceled their uh, tour. Really? Their whole yeah. tour? Wow. No yeah. way. Because wow. of... Because of... Because of coronavirus. Really? Yeah. So... There's a bunch of it happening. It's sort of falling down like dominoes where people are sort of just deciding that they're not going to do these things anymore. And it's... I, I We have to keep doing it. We can't stop. So, yeah. you know, everything's already booked. And we, you know, I, I don't see it as dangerous. And I know, I guess, we're like young dudes. And it's not going to be that big of a deal if we get sick and have to be sick for a while. But... Because uh, we're always sick, bro. <laughs> so sick. Yeah, no, it's we'll crazy. Just have, we'll just have to drink more. It's gonna that's be. That's all yeah. it means. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think that is bugs. the cure. I think <laughs> people have just haven't figured it out yet. Just drink a little bit more whiskey. Yeah, you got to build up the tolerance to to the whiskey and the vodka. And, yeah, and uh, 
And if we don't have it already, I don't know how we're not going to catch it because we've been on a cruise ship. We've been on. <laughs> <laughs> We've been uh, to like you know whatever ten states in the past like two weeks. Like we're gonna, <laughs> we have a lot already. of truck stops. Yeah, we're gonna get like some people go some officials are gonna yeah. show up at the door and te- start testing us. Yeah, yeah. I saw one of those memes of a picture of like a super grungy bathroom, and it was like, have you ever like oh, used one, one of these restrooms? You probably could like find. Yeah. And I was like. Well, I definitely saw a couple of those. Like yeah. <laughs> it was like the what was it the C, uh, CBGB bathroom or something like that? Oh yeah, in the in the photo, that's funny. That one what was it? Where wherever we played in Dallas, that bathroom would like looked exactly <laughs> like dares. that, covered in stickers and writing and all yeah. that sort of shit. But yeah, you- I, I, I went elsewhere to <laughs> take to release the demons. <laughs> that was good. Oh. You didn't yeah. want to see all those messages on the wall where you were, you know. Well, I, I peed in there, but I didn't, I didn't poop in there. <laughs> there wasn't a door. <laughs> like, of to the stall there. or to the bathroom oh, itself. Man. So I feel like yeah. that is, if you have a door in your If there's venue, a door to the actual bathroom, then I, I don't care if there's a door inside. You know, I feel like, like you're whatever. not really a punk rock venue if you have a door to your stall. <laughs> yeah. Or a seat on your toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a very, it's a very Texas thing, though. Because yeah. remember in Lubbock, Texas, when we were there? Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, I don't really want to go into detail about bathrooms on a podcast when we should be. I mean, yeah. So anyways, you walked in, and like the, the toilet was like higher than everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you had to like walk up like a couple stairs to the toilet, but there wasn't any door or anything. So if you were sitting up there, you'd be like... Like going, looking down on everyone, like it was just set up really weird. It is weird. They should have put a crown just behind the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a yeah. It was a throne. Did it have a pole chain when you were done? You're like, ha. <laughs> so I not that we it. need to continue to talk about toilets, <laughs> but recently, you know how the uh, uh, we didn't do this on purpose. Let's let's start pouring a beer while I talk about this. So, okay. What do we have first here? Uh, um, we we have two of the uh, two of the same. Would you like to? Uh... Sure, I got this from uh, Lost Winds Brewery in San Clemente, my uh, local uh, tacos and trivia Tuesday nights joint. Um, so this is the Friars Tipple. It's a triple Belgian Ooh. yumminess. Ooh. Yeah. We haven't had a Belgian Trappist one here in a style. Long time. Yeah, yeah, it's the the Trappist style one. Are these both the same? They are. Awesome. I figured you'd like it. So no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. We do that a lot with the docent yeah. stuff because by the time we have one, everyone wants another one. <laughs> so that's sort of our standard. Thank you. Yeah, Belgium. This is definitely the first Belgium we've had. I feel like most most everything we've had so far has been very dark, like IPAs or dark beers or I don't know. Does docent do Belgian? They have to, right? I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, they, uh, they probably. probably have something similar. They yeah, probably have something. I'm going to Tommy, Tommy the Belgian, tech on so this. Yeah. Tommy! So I, I actually went to a, a brewery down the street from my work after work today called Network, and I, I, I had a, a black IPA. Never had a black IPA before. And it was actually, That's pretty cool. It's pretty good. We need to open the next one more. Okay, sorry. Well, well, I'm excited to try this. I'm going to go back to my toilet story. Yes. So I saw a thread online. You know how we just do nothing but talk shit about these toilets in Europe that are like, I, I can't remember the actual name for them, but we call them like flat tops or something like that, where uh, it pushes the stuff out, but it's almost like it yeah. just sits on this table 
and not in the water. It's like shooting yeah, on yeah. a plateau. <laughs> it's the poop deck. It's, 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 it's creating in your own islands. We picked the best podcast. The one where we have like uh, a female guest and we just talk about uh, toilets for at length. To me, we're cool. I saw a... Everybody uh, poops, man. A thread online where Europeans were furiously dependent, uh, defending that style of toilet. And I was like, you guys are all insane. They're like, it's more hygienic and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you guys are gross and these are the worst kind of toilets ever. <laughs> it's like, who would defend these things and say that they're better than like, you know, going into the water? <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Cheers. 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 To, to living in a land of <laughs> deep toilets. Deep toilets. <laughs> Jesus. This one really fell off the rails, guys. Let's bring oh, it man, back, that's though. Good. Well, that is... a lot. Yeah. I'll get you drunk. Mm-hmm. It's Ooh. definitely got that, that Trappisty yeah, flavor. It has there. the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Some nice floral. Like, I feel like floral. it's like wheat. Like, I, wanna, I don't know like how they're brewed, but I feel like it has like a different... I feel like it's not like malt. I feel like maybe, and I don't, maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like it's brewed with something that's not malt, so that's why it doesn't taste as thick. But it's like they're very light, and I don't know. I could see how like you immediately think like a slice of orange or something citrusy would mm-hmm. go very good with it. I like it a lot. I just, I just haven't had a, a Belgian style in a really long time, so I'm like getting like. Me we have either. a few Belgians there. They're all very yummy. I we used to drink Belgians a ton back when I can handle the hangover of that. And now if I have like one half of one, my I can feel the headache starting in my head. But I love the taste of them. The Belgian yeast is always super good. And uh, like when we go to Belgium, we drink Belgian beers all the time there because we have to. It's one of my favorite delicious. parts of of going out there. It's like I love this kind of beer. It's part of the part of the. Rules and being in Belgium, yeah. you have to drink a bunch mm-hmm. of Belgian Bada. beer. Well, and everybody in Europe says Belgium has the best beer out of except the, for Germany, except for Germans. Well, <laughs> but what do they know? Just kidding. Well, they know a lot about beer, man. <laughs> I know they have like oh, they know this. a lot about beer in general out there. No, but I feel like even sometimes you go to Germany and they're like Belgium has the best beer. I feel like everywhere we go, they say Belgium has the best beer. I feel like the the hardcore Germans. Yeah. Well, not say that Belgium yeah. has the best I've, beer. I've you know some hardcore Germans fans that were like we all do. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know any hardcore. Germans. I like everyone's beer. I just like beer. Yeah, I'm struggling right now, but that's for other reasons. <laughs> so it's because I had too much beer yesterday <laughs> or the day before. But it's good. So yeah, it's we, great. I really like it. It's good. Are we guessing ABV? Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah, you are. I know. I saw it already. I think I, I could I, see I, it I too. I didn't try to. Try to look, but I did. I'll guess because I haven't seen it. I also saw it. Man, I didn't, I didn't see, mean to see it. But I didn't I, see. Ooh. Okay, so it's Henry. It's it's heads we up. To like, Henry we need Warren. to like put like like tape over these labels. There you go. Going forward, I feel like because okay, I've I'm seen putting you in charge. Every, yeah, yeah every that's, single, that's now your job. I've yeah. seen every <laughs> single one that we've done, bring, and I don't tape, mean to see it. I just look and I'm like, and, okay, uh, well, your eyes are just sneaky. I'm observing, and then you will be the one that knows. Well, I don't know what it is, so I could guess. Yeah. Well, what's your guess? I can guess, yeah. Well, it's a Belgian, so it's probably more alcoholic than I think it should be. So, but it's brewed here, so they might, <clears throat> I guess I don't know, like 8%. Okay. 
See, that seems high. Where? Like, what do you think? I feel like it's lower. I feel like it's like six point eight. Andrew. Oh, I saw it. Oh, you did see yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It just, okay. It's okay it's just, to it, have you guys. It's just me and, me and Warren. Yeah. So drum roll. What Warren is, and what I. What is the, uh, what is it? It is 9.5. Oh, oh see, I told you. Nice. I bet it was, oh, man. That's it good. It doesn't taste like 9.5. No, no, Especially no. when you drink, like, heavier yeah. IPAs. Like, you can really taste the booze in the IPAs. Oh, but the Belgians are basically, like... Candy, metallic mm. candy. So it's the de- <laughs> it's always the deceptive aspect of, of drinking these kinds of beers is you don't you don't expect them to be as concentrated with yeah. alcohol as as they are, and then you're like drinking them, and you're like this tastes so good and it's so light and fluffy and delicious, and then you have two and so you're light like and fluffy and delicious. <laughs> I love Belgian beer and uh, and Lost Winds from San Clemente are going to be at a festival we're playing this weekend. For Docent Brewery, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of different breweries. They're not just Docent, but it's Docent's party. Twenty three different breweries or something like that. It's called Field Trip Fest, and it's in San Juan Capistrano. Yeah, we're going to be there with uh, Quaker City Night Hawks. Yeah, rain or shine. Rain, rain or, or shine. shine, yeah. It's supposed to rain? It is. No, you don't say that word. We're not no. saying the word. But I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> last year. It was supposed to do the R word. But by the time it came to Saturday, it cleared up. I don't know if you guys remember. I don't that. remember On that. Friday, but I, do I believe that. you. We showed up, and it was like I was like, "Oh, I thought it'd be more money." And then the day was beautiful, and everybody had a great time. Yeah. And I anticipate the exact same thing. Well, we can hope for the best. Well, it is the middle of March too, so yeah, yeah. And it'll be, what does that on have Monday to do with means it? nothing for Saturday. Well, like the beginning of like I feel, I feel like the beginning of this spring is always getting into the R season, you know. Like a little bit. We were yeah. just talking about shitting for like 15 oh minutes and playing. <laughs> and then when it comes to R, we can't say the R word. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say the R word. Yeah. Oh, man. We're but anyways, fun. if you're okay. local, we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, see yep. you on Saturday. All right, you what can, do you uh, say, guys? You can pick up uh, tickets for that fest <laughs> at uh, www.fieldtripfest.com. Yep. Yeah, or something like that. Website. And we also have a couple. We also yeah. have if you see us on the streets and want to buy one. Yeah. yeah. I, I normally take a stroll around <laughs> the streets yeah. of Orange County. So it's a good chance you'll you'll see me just walking around. Just because I like walking around, you know? Hell yeah. And if you see me there, uh, I'll probably have some tickets, you know? <laughs> so uh, it'll be like, be great. It'll be, be like, where's Waldo? But with Henry and right, just on the street, and I'm easy to, so. I'm way easier to find than Waldo. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super easy to find, especially when you're like one of 15 people walking, yeah, and not driving. Oh yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Wow, go. 15 people I'm, walking. I'm easy to pick out the crowd. All right, what do you say, guys? You guys want to, you guys want to learn about some music today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I what do you got? What you got? So we're gonna Henry's we're history gonna, lesson. Henry's history lesson is yeah. beginning. <laughs> Right now, as soon as I get to the... Okay, there it is. All right. Um, today, I am going to talk about Robert Palmer. Now, I don't know if anybody at this table is familiar with that name. Is anybody that ring a bell for anybody at this table? Is that hey, the Robert president? I was that the love president? Robert Palmer. Really? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Okay. Is so that you, the guy that died in Fight Club? Emerson no. Lake and... His name is no, Robert no, Palmer. No. 
His it's, name was, was, was he the one that invented the palm tree? Oh yeah, it's you all, already you good. already know the treat we're in. I don't for. I don't want to get ahead. You of already know the treat we're is in. Is he Rosie Palmer's brother? So uh, the you might know this song that is uh, that that was a big hit for him in uh, in the eighties actually, and uh, I'm just gonna just gonna right now just kind of do a quick little clip of this. And see if I can get to the right part of the song right now. So. Gotta get to that chorus. Listening to Addicted to Love? No, no, no. The history lesson is not that. Because I want to learn more about those. Because uh, because that's the popular one. And if you know anything about what I do here, I I. Make sure everybody understands uh, sort of the history of, of what this person did and maybe uh, a musical identity of what this person sort of entered into. And then I go, but I bet you didn't know about the fact that they did this thing. Maybe earlier, well, in, their, maybe earlier in their careers. And it's, and it's arguably way cooler than that, even though it's not as popular. Um, and I'm biased because I really like a lot of what uh, those kind of people did in... The earlier parts of their career. So, um, can I just say I'm really impressed with your notes? Oh, I've listened to a couple of podcasts. He's got lots of notes, guys. I have to come prepared because yeah. otherwise I'm just gonna ramble and I need to like keep myself at you know bullet points and I always I always make sure to jot down stuff because for all of you listening out there on uh, the podcast apps and that can't see Henry's notebook that he's holding yeah, up right now, I have a notebook. Um, he actually has like an actual notebook. I do have that a notebook. Comes in prepared every week with notes I and do. little bullet points. And I have to. I have the teacher in me is proud. Stuff. Everyone yeah. right now is is realizing that. He has notes this whole time, but and everyone, I'm a thought giant it was nerd. All, everyone thought it was all his Surprise, in his Surprise, everybody, time. I'm a giant Hi. nerd. Wait, wait, wait. Can I add one more thing that I think is awesome about his notebook? I, I love that he takes notes. I love that you put your name on the front of the notebook. That yeah, is so dude. awesome. I feel like nobody takes the time to do that. Well, yeah, because what happens if I leave it somewhere and I go, hey, uh, like in, you know, mine... Case- if, or whatever. If found, please return yeah, to. Yeah, right? It's like a luggage tag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, like, everybody has social media these days, so they can find me, you know? And nobody else is named Henry Schnakeluth pretty much in the entire world. Really? I don't think so. There's not There's not. I think one it's just one? me. I think I'm the only Christina Bunkers. Really? On Facebook, um, anyway. Anyways, well, I'm, the well, only I'm also the only Andrews Batman, so well, we well, got a lot of originals uh, <laughs> here. Okay, I just so. found out there's, like, nine other Stephen Majoras <laughs> spelled with sad. a B. Wow. Yeah, while, you guys are originals. While, okay. while <laughs> Steve is looking original. that up, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Robert Palmer. So he was uh, in a band called Vinegar Joe in the early 70s. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was in a band called Vinegar Joe. Um, I didn't check them out, but I would like to because I feel like it's probably pretty cool uh, based on name. what his this, this record sounded like. Um, he signed to Island Records. He was already signed to Island Records with Vinegar Joe. And then uh, formed his own sort of solo career. Now, somehow he got involved in this insane cast of musicians. 
he recorded this record that I'm going to talk about, which is called Sneaking Sally Through the Alley in New Orleans <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in 1974. Nice. And the title track was ris- written by a guy named Alan Toussaint. And I don't know if you know anything about him, but he's basically like responsible for hundreds of like huge R&B songs. So, uh, as well as producing Dr. John. So this is just one of those songs that he wrote that tons of people have covered. If you look up Alan Toussaint, um, and he just passed away not yeah, too long he, ago. Yep. Yep. He just passed. Thank you. He just passed away like, I think four years ago or something like that. But like another one of those just unknown names, but a huge songwriter and, yeah. and made a lot of stuff for a lot of people. And, um, just a sort of like a hidden figure in the history of American music, basically. So the cool part about this record that I didn't know, uh, I, I stumbled upon this song, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, and I was like, man, that that slide guitar sounds really familiar. And it turns out that uh, Lowell George from Little Feet produced this record, so you can hear that sort of iconic uh, Little Feet slide guitar. I also found out that the meters were the rhythm section. Like, actually, the oh, wow. original meters. Zigaboo, Art Novell, George Porter Ju- Jr., and Leonardo Santelli. Was there only, like, ten people in the music industry in the 70s? <laughs> yeah. I they know. just did everything? It's, it's insane. And then, I, and then I looked further into this album, and I found out that Simon Phillips played drums on this song. <laughs> yeah. And get Sorry. this. Get this. Hold on. Before you, before you, before you, get this. The on the rest of the album, about half the record was done by the Meters. There was one song where Simon Phillips played drums with the Meters, <laughs> and then the rest of the record was called the New York Rhythm Section, which was Richard T on piano, who is like single-handedly responsible for you know like the the Fender Rhodes <laughs> piano with the phaser on it. Okay, like, that's like his sound. Like he basically created that sort oh, wow. of tone I that's like him that. and he was on like if you look up richard t he's on hundred he's like an all-star session musician cornell dupree on guitar who worked with he's like one of the greatest rhythm studio guitar players of all time easily if you look up his body work it's like it's it's too insane to count i can't even mm. i don't even know where to cornell start dupree is Isn't also stuff. a really good name it is a great name and, stuff. and oh yes cornell but, dupree but guess who was the drummer for this Bernard Purdy. <laughs> wow. So he has Bernard Purdy, Simon Phillips, and Zigaboo all playing on his album. This is a pretty all-star cast of drummers yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a drum nerd. Yeah. For and, um, those of you who don't know, Bernard Purdy was like a session guy who yeah. played with Steely Dan and a bunch of other people. Everybody. And uh, Everybody. Simon Phillips was Toto's live drummer for a super long yeah. period of time, but also did a bunch of crazy yeah. stuff like at 19, played on the original uh, recording of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. So... You know, so, so just was, a a, yeah. a crazy <laughs> cast of musicians for this record that no one probably knows right, about. Right, right. right. Well, I, I needed, I didn't know any of those names, so I'm glad you said something. Yeah. So yeah. and and so if he was 19 when he did Jesus Christ Superstar, he was either still 19 or like 20 or 21 when he played on this record with yeah. Robert Palmer. This is all crazy. So it's just this insane. And then on top of that, I found out Steve Winwood is also on this album. What? Did they like, do it all in New Orleans, or they, was it? In different locations. They did. Uh, this song was recorded in New Orleans, as far as I know, because uh, it was with the meters as mm-hmm. the room section and Lola George. So everything that had Lola George for the most part was in New Orleans. And then they also did part of it in New York, which is where Bernard Purdy comes mm-hmm. into the equation. And he's on the rest of this album, and you should really check out this record, because it's super funky and super rad, and it has this really cool Little Feet influence to it, as well as, like, this like funky, you know, funky metersy thing to it, and it's just very like 
consistent. It's a really great record to put on at a party, I think. Like, it's what I think of immediately. I'm like, man, I should just have this record going on repeat, like, two or three times if I ever have a party. Like, yeah. It's just, like, it's just a great, like, you're hanging out with your friends, you're having a couple drinks, and it's cool, groovy, funky music. That vibe, can, vibe making music. Super yeah. vibey. Yeah. People can dance to it. It's very cool. Um, <coughs> the song I want to talk about is called Sneaking Sally Through the Alley. And uh, it was originally done by a guy named Lee Dorsey years before. And I highly recommend checking out Lee Dorsey's version of it as well because you can sort of appreciate the production choices that Robert Palmer and Lil George made on this song because mm. uh, it's completely different. It sounds completely different from the Lee Dorsey version. And then on top of that, he recovers, he covers a, uh, a Little Feet song called Sailing Shoes that uh, is, again, completely different from the Little Feet version. And uh, it's pretty cool because it has Lil George, who wrote the song, playing side guitar on it. So, uh, anyways, enough of my talk. Here is 1974, Robert Palmer, Seeing a Sally Through the Alley, off the album of the same name. Doesn't sound like the meters at all. No. Here's <laughs> the Simon Phillips. Thank you, thank you. Oh, okay. Sneaking through the 
Nice. That is fun. That's cool. Yeah. It's a fun. It's a fun record. Um, great, definitely great check it out. Line. It's a really, it's really catchy, fun record. man. It's really yeah. cool. It gets that that melody is like super catchy, and then that that bass riff that George Porter and uh, Leo were doing is just yeah. off the chain. I love it. It's so cool. You know, you know, fun fact about that song. Fish regularly regularly covers that in oh, their really? set, and uh, that was actually how I figured out about the album because I heard huh. them do that, and I was like. Oh, that's a pretty cool song, and then I came to figure out it was a cover. Yeah. So, so if you're a Fish fan, you might see that in one of their sets. That's you awesome. guys don't strike me as Fish fans. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, though. I love that. That's, yeah. That's great. Awesome, awesome record, though. Yeah, the whole record is... Super the, funky. That's like, I mean, that's a great song. It's a great representation of what happens on the record, but again, it's, as, as I always say, it's the tip of the iceberg. You should really check out that record. And the the record following that one, uh, also by you know by Robert Palmer, uh, it, he actually has the full Little Feet band on that. And let me see, that record was released the following year, and it's called Pressure Drop. He covers Toots and the Maytals on that record. Ooh, is it all nice. Toots covers? No, it's just one Toots and the Maytals cover, and the rest of it is a mix of again like sort of traditional R and B songs and his own compositions. So. Uh, Sting and Sally also has I think it's about two thirds of the songs were written by Robert Palmer but uh, but that one I you know being the self-titled track and all that I thought was a really good representation of the sound of the record and the the album following this is uh, is again kind of more of the same thing uh, it has that little feet quality it's super funky and definitely not something I would have expected to hear from the guy that did Addicted to Love in the 80s like it was yeah. just like what? So we have some people asking about Power Station. Power Station. Okay. Because you haven't mentioned that in his career. I know. Yeah. I screwed up. Well, no, you didn't screw up. It's just like a you're talking about 70s Robert Palmer. And right. Everyone's asking They're talking about, about 80s. 80s. Yeah. That's that's kind of where my area of expertise <laughs> sort of tends to. Henry's way more of a strictly 70s uh, Robert 60s, Palmer 60s, 70s kind of guy. <laughs> Power Station is a super group. I'm, I'm aware of, of that. Pieces of Duran Duran right. and uh, Robert Palmer and right. Tony Thompson, who was right. this like, really famous drummer in the 80s who played right. with Chic, mm-hmm. who also played with Led Zeppelin at the Live Aid concert. That's right. Yeah. That? yeah, yeah. Yep, that's right. It was, it's a, it was Tony Thompson and Phil Collins that played with Led Zeppelin at uh, that show. Wow. I like that show better than a lot of live Led Zeppelin shows. How dare Whoa. you? How dare you? Boo. It is so oh, man. awesome. <laughs> There's so many shows where Blood Orange is shit-faced. Fuck that. Fuck you guys. You guys are oh, Bottom shit-faced, and then you see them play the Live Aid thing, and they play Stairway to Heaven with Tony Thompson, and he doesn't rush and doesn't do a bunch of crazy shit with it and just puts it in the pocket, and it's awesome. In my defense, I haven't seen it, so I'm just booing you out of spite. Because I, di- I disagree. Don't boo me. I, I disagree. I like all that stuff. I like all the crazy rock and roll I don't uh, mind shit. it, but there's definitely like sloppy Zeppelin Oh, yeah, for really sure. Sloppy. Yeah. Jimmy Page is the king of sloppy. Uh, like, he's the, so sloppy, but but I love it. I love all of it. It's it's all. I, I'm not saying I dislike Bonham. I'm saying, and obviously, probably the best not. Zeppelin show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The best Zeppelin show is probably better than that Live Aid show. Let's say, but it's not. There is much worse Zeppelin shows than oh, that yeah, Live Aid show. Oh, yeah, That's what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you're definitely you're de- from a performance perspective. Yeah, you're definitely. And right I like that. seeing the different flavor of that because it's the only time he ever played with them. Right. So it was pretty badass. 
Well, and we know you like Bonham. I'm just giving you shit because yeah. I can. I hope people can tell from my playing that I like Bonham. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> stolen and everything I possibly can. Right. And stolen yeah. it well. Power he, station. He used to be the background on my phone for... Almost, until this last tour. Robert I, Palmer? I, I, no, no, no. John Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would be kind of weird. Maybe both of them. Were you addicted to love back then? I was... <laughs> Addicted to a lot of things back then. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even alive back then. In the eighties? No, I was born in nineteen ninety. Are you really? Oh my yeah, god! Wow. Yep, I just yeah. turned thirty. <laughs> Henry, please don't tell me when you were born, because <laughs> that's gonna make me feel really I'll old. Just, well, well, we'll just put it this way: Henry's uh, younger than the Lion King. <laughs> Oh. The original. Only no, by a couple months. <laughs> Only by a couple months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll never not, know what it's like. Not by anything more. Than the Lion and, King. and you know what? I was I was He's shown a full year. I watched that movie Jurassic as Park. I was uh, oh, wow. I was shown that movie as soon as I was capable of possibly being conceptually aware of what was happening. What so. was the, what was the Disney movie that came out when you were like seven years old? Shrek. Oh, God, I think it was like uh, I think it was like Bugs Life. I remember Bugs Life coming out. Oh my God! It was like Bugs Life or yeah, Shrek was definitely Shrek and then, one. Shrek yeah. two. I vividly remember going to the theater and watching Finding Nemo, and I was yeah. I was definitely eight or nine years old when that I was came hooking out. up with girls in high school to that movie. <laughs> Henry, Henry, Henry was one year old when uh, the the very first Toy Story came out. Can we just say what the yeah. year that it was? Because I, no, I like, no, don't no, know when no, all no, this shit came out. Nineteen ninety four. Fucked it up. I thought you were ninety six. No, sorry, not like I wouldn't have sorry, been able to drink when I joined. The, oh wait, I guess I would have. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shoot, yeah, no. Well, when you joined the band? No, no, I would have. I would have even if I was born yeah, in ninety six, yeah. but I was born in ninety four. That's yeah. not too bad. October second for all you listeners out there. You know, I mean, you, you, wanna, know, you if, wanna you're feeling generous, you wanna get me a birthday <laughs> present, come October second. I will take it. <laughs> Awkward <laughs> silence. <laughs> all of, right. So many things I wanted to say to that. that yeah, I like, think that was an them, awkward everyone like, not just shitting all over you saying that and like, trying to yeah, hold their yeah, tongue. Yeah. Fucking millennials. Uh or we can just get you Disney movies. Yeah, yeah. Everyone fine. get Henry and the Lion King <laughs> on VHS. Not like I've seen it on VHS. Yes, two hundred times disc. already or anything. Did you, did you see disc. the new one? No, it's really good. I did not want to see it. You should want to see it. I don't. I don't want to see it. It's you good. don't have the Disney app. I did on, like dog. how uh, John Oliver was Zazu though. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, thanks, John Oliver. He's yeah. just Zazu in real life. Yeah, I love that show. It's good. The Lion King or John Oliver show? Do you guys want to try another beer? I have more oh. weird beers to try. Oh. And we are, yeah. It's not oh a lot, though. God. And we have something else, Wait, too. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Then we need, definitely need to keep drinking. Yeah. Yes. And keep telling Let's stories. keep moving on. We can pour both right now, too. So why don't you talk about what that is first? Oh, God. Whoa. Oh, it was oh, 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 no. Just let everyone we know that's listening. Cut. Nothing just we happened. We have some kind of ritual to when we spill a glass, because it has to happen like once yeah. a podcast. So. Also, I uh, have to get up and run around in circles. Last week's, uh, last week's whiskey was uh, courtesy of Christina. It was. Yeah, thank you. Which was amazing. And, and then, uh, I brought, what, what is I this I brought one? more whiskey. Ooh. I am a whiskey girl. This is, if... This is from Vom Foss, V O M F A S S. Vom Foss. There's, I have a story I think, about that place, but go ahead and finish your story. Up. We'll <laughs> get to that. The story involved the fact that you can taste all sorts of things when you're there. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> 
are curators of like artisanal oils and vinegars and all sorts of fun spirits. So you can go in there and taste all sorts of things, but um, they're very knowledgeable when you go in there and you, you get the history of what it is that you're tasting. And this is a two casks blended malt scotch whiskey. I tried it when I was there, and it's super smoky and super delicious. So Ooh, nice. We I've haven't been, had a lot of scotch on the... We have a bunch of uh, bourbons, but geez, like, we can use some scotches. But yeah. I, I brought this along with me as well. And, and Thank for, you. For anybody listening, it's it's a very petite bottle. It almost looks like petite. it could it could be like a... Uh, Almost like almost, almost like a perfume, a perfume bottle, but, yeah, yeah. But like a little bit bigger. You'd be like, okay, you'd have perfume for the next like three years, like yeah. yeah. But it's very cool. I think that's a very again like the other bottle that you had. I, I pointed out that it had like I like the horse and I like the the whole presentation. The yeah, I feel yeah. like this is the same thing. You get a lot of those rectangular bottles, and then you kind of get a cool one that this one's a little smaller, and it looks like it has like handwritten. On the front of it. And the other thing I think is really cool is the whiskey's really, really clear. It almost looks like it could be tequila or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all their bottles are like this. It's just glass with the handwriting on there. So I think they have warehouses in Europe where they select and taste and kind of curate whatever it is that they put in their stores. That's so, so rad. So I used to work across the street from a Von Foss, so I'm very familiar with Von Foss. It's a super cool store. I tried absinthe for the first time in a Von Foss, and they just made it for me with the whole kit and, like, the sugar cube and dripping it over this yeah. whole crazy thing. Um, and what I found out that was super cool is that there's also a Von Foss in Belgium when we went over there. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, someone just went to Belgium and, like, spit it out all over here because there's a bunch of the same kind of places. Like, have you ever heard of La Peine... Quote it. I, I don't know how to exactly pronounce it, but it's like yep. a breakfast place that's French. Uh, they had those in Belgium too, and I was like, "Wow! Like it's all the same stuff that the, like the Europeans brought to America." And so that store is super cool, and they do like everything there. They have a bunch of spirits, right? It's where, a, where, where is it? <clears throat> is there one locally here? Or is there one in L.A.? There or? is one in Claremont. That's where I grew up and went to school. So that's the one I frequent. And that's there's the one, one, that's one I used to work across the street from. Really? Yeah. yeah. San Diego, I think, is I saw on the website. There's Actually, they have one in Huntington Beach at Pacific City Oh, now. what? Wow. That's awesome. And then What does Vom Foss mean? Does it mean no something? Idea. It's got to mean something, right? Tommy's been slacking over here. Vom right, Foss? I, I have a question. That has never been answered to me before. Ever? How, how do you? How does everybody here know Christina? So we met. That's roll? something we can get into. Yeah, right yeah that is actually because it, it is super relevant. Yeah, to your I don't. On the right. I don't well, actually know. And it's super rad. So uh, Christina is. I can a, say uh, it from the perspective of how I figured, found out you about you guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. As Steve mentioned, I work for Fusion Academy, and we do like parent events every once in a mm-hmm. while just to say thank you to, to those guys. Um, and so we, we held a parent event at the cliff in Laguna Beach, and I was looking up on their calendars like, oh, I wonder who's playing that night. We wanted to just take them out where there would be live music. And I was like, Robert John the Wreck, that sounds familiar. I work with or used to work with Phil Allen. Um, and so I knew he would like wear your shirt all the time. And so I text Phil and go, oh my gosh, Robert, John and the Wreck are, are going to be at the cliff. Um, so I think he's worked with you guys in the studio, yeah, right? Yeah. So Phil was Warren Hewart's assistant who did our first two records. 
And I used to intern for Warren, and then Phil used to be my boss some of the days. So, And then he did 10 years with Warren. He won a Grammy for engineering and a Dell record, and he said, I'm out. Yeah. And then just decided to move back to Orange County, where he's originally from, and, and be, teach. And before that, after, after we started working with Warren, I started working with Warren and Phil uh, doing uh, session work for them, playing keys and doing background vocals and stuff. So me and Phil have worked on, you know, countless records together and stuff too. And and now, and then he moved back down here to Orange County. And, and then he did this song, when we did a cover of The Chain by Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac, he engineered and mixed that for us. And that so. was for, uh, for, he had a, uh, like a studio day when he was working at uh, Los Rios Rock School where they would bring the kids into the studio and like have like record a band. I think you guys did that stuff. for our kids. We have two music studios on oh, our campus. Yeah, I think so. Oh, nice. Um so that's a big part of our program and they do yeah, legit recording arts. They learn pro tools, they learn how to set up and record proper instruments and play them. So that's I think awesome. you guys were nice enough to have them come in for one of your sessions to help set up and just mm-hmm. yeah. be there and watch. So Yeah, yeah. And then also uh, Brennan Edmondson that used to work at Hybrid works is for you also, guys. Yeah, yeah is on staff he's there. he's one of our department heads and is one of our music teachers now. So yeah, just kind of small world. Uh, you guys were playing there the night yeah. that I was there. I think I just introduced myself to Steve and Andrew. Like, hey, you guys know Phil, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, and uh, uh, that's super cool. Okay, this is going to go into what I was thinking about. What we should talk about for like story time, and that's. Story time. The best experience, because this is rare, right? So we all, in some way, shape, or form, went to music school. Mm-hmm. Right. All of us. Yeah. And so that's pretty rare. You hear about bands like this guy, you know, no one had any training. We just love playing and stuff like that. We're like the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Of that. All of us mm-hmm. went to music school. So... Not I all thought of us finished, but yeah, we went, exactly. We went for a bit. I went. <laughs> no, exactly. And and you, uh, Henry, you have a way different experience because you went to a, a music high school or yeah, an arts yeah. high school. Yeah. So that's like a completely different experience. Yeah. And, so. I, and I tried to continue it into college, but uh, but it just wasn't it wasn't for me at the time, and uh, wound up wound up just not working out for me. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it I wasn't think the that right happens for everyone, life, right? Yeah, so so yeah. that's not necessarily a tell of anything. Yeah, music yeah. school is a bad thing, but I think sometimes you got to forge your own path, there, bro. <laughs> right. We could think about this a little bit as we drink and talk about this scotch. But our topic for tonight will be: What was your greatest memory of being in music school? What was like uh, the experience that really helped push you forward? Yeah. And then hopefully you could talk about some of your experiences of what you see and maybe like what's cool about working in a music school or what you see and what you think kids need or what, you know, just go into depth about what, you, what you've seen over there. And so, but first I want to try the scotch because yeah, it smells really good. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. I'll, I'll get to this, but. Oh, I can get to it. smell the smokiness. Mm-hmm. I know. Burning down the house. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's a scotch. Yeah. It's really good. That'll put some hair on my chest. I've never really been a fan of like the because uh, Scotch whiskeys. There's like two different ways to make them, right? One's like through like peat rock, and then the other one's through something else, right? Another one. No, exactly. I know there's different um, different areas of Scotland have different uh, mm. methods of making it. Yeah. Did you say through peat rock? Yeah. yeah like is this that a place like, or is that a, a thing? It's a it's a thing. It's like a, a porous stone that can get heated up and, okay. and stuff. I think. 
Yeah. I, I was really drunk when I went to the uh, Jameson Distillery in Dublin. Um, so I don't really remember all of the bullet points of their conversation, different ways of making whiskeys, but this is really good. I'm not normally a fan of like the, it definitely has that like peaty, smoky, peaty it's, it's really, <clears throat> it's really smooth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like really smooth for like a scotch. Yeah. Usually scotches have a really aggressive start. This yeah. one does not at all. No, it's, it's like super the smoothest smooth. scotch I've ever had in my life. Can I see the bottle? Yes, sir. <clears throat> Am I crazy for getting a sort of like a citrusy aftertaste? Mm. Is, that, is that crazy? I'm getting a lot of the smokiness, which is mm. like normal for the scotches. Maybe that's so the beer me... before this. It could be the beer before this. I'm going to take another sip. Are all scotches this clear? Is this normal for a, a whiskey no. to no. be this clear? They're a little um, more golden. And this so, is yeah. like on the lighter side. This is the side. light side. Because it's so clear, does that mean it's distilled more? Does anybody know? No. Well, the color, the color can come from the barrels that, it's, that yeah. they're in. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why moonshine is clear because it hasn't been aged. Yeah. Okay. And the, the color comes usually comes from the, but, from but the, the barrel. Interest, but, but the interesting thing about this is it has a smokiness from a barrel that you would expect for a much darker whiskey. Like, I feel like if, if you had a blind taste test and you, and you tasted this, you would think it would, the color would be much darker because it has a smoky flavor, assuming it was mm-hmm. in a barrel that was burnt and charred. This is a very, very clear, very clear whiskey. I think we're getting our... Uh, 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 like creation of whiskey mixed up here, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah there's so, a different, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, just to backtrack just a little bit, I I went to the uh, the Jameson Distillery is the only one that I've been to. That's an Irish whiskey, yes. but they did have a really cool exhibit there uh, where it showed different, like everything from like the uh, like the Coopers, like who, which I didn't know Cooper was the term for the barrel makers and stuff that actually make the barrels and the casks and stuff. But they have really cool, like, kind of interactive uh, exhibits that show you all the different steps in making Irish whiskey. And then they had some other stuff of, like, oh, this, you know, denotes, like, more of, like, a scotch thing. And like, this is how they do it over there. And this is how they do it over here. And this is how they do it in America. And this is what makes our whiskey different and stuff. So, um, yeah, I know that uh, Jameson's Irish whiskey. But I thought it was really cool because I, I had no idea like that that much went into it and like the different type of, even down to like the type of wood being used for barrels and stuff can affect, you know, how, you know, it'll turn out. And how well, the Blantons I got yeah. you is the, they built a like metal warehouse because post prohibition, it was all about let's make the whiskey as fast as we can. Yeah. And they put up the, the metal warehouse and then they re- Colonel, Colonel Bacon Blanton yeah, realized yeah. that the the barrels were getting exposed to the temperature and liked the way it was aging yeah. in that way. So. It's wild. This is really good scotch. Crazy. I like it. Good job. It is really good. It is, Thank again, you. yeah, it has the Cheers. smoothest start to a scotch I think I've ever had. It's good. Oh, yeah. I like scotch. I haven't had scotch in a long time. Scotchy scotch, scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Down into my belly. I'm not going to lie, though. Not mm. being a big whiskey drinker, it does have that, like, uh, mouth-watering burn for me that, like, 
This it, is more aggressive than the bourbon we've little, been drinking. It is yeah. a little yeah. aggressive. So Warren's a little not whiskey guy. Yeah. Like me, Robert, and Steve have probably drank a lot of whiskey, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say. Yeah. And, um, just this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Many whiskeys. Warren's more of a beer drinker, so he's uh, not had the bourbons and the scotches and the things, so... So I bring uh, that normal guy approach. They just like hit that. him a little harder. No, no, no. Like, and, and uh, you know, you forget that when you've blown yeah. out your palate after years of like aggressively trying to taste more things. You're like, oh, like give me the hottest chicken wing you could possibly yeah. get. Let me just blow this thing out. Yeah. And, and, uh, and not to say that I don't like it, but but just like being honest for my palate, yeah. like it still gives me that. But I like the 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 salivation thing that happens when you drink really nice like whiskeys like this or scotches is kind of addicting. It's almost kind of like the spice <laughs> thing where you're like, oh, like I kind of like that feeling where you're like, okay, I want to chase a little. Well, and it's further. and it's a sipper too. Like I, yeah. I feel like beer, you can sip on beer, you can chug it, or you can you know whatever. But with uh, especially with scotches and stuff, it's like you, you're gonna have like. You know, you pour yourself a modest amount into a glass. It's not like you're going to fill up an entire rocks glass, you know, to the brim with with Scotch whiskey. You know, like you're going to have just a little bit, and then you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll just have a little bit more. And then a couple sips later, you're like, yeah, maybe I'll have a little bit more. <laughs> but a sip of I mean, whiskey. and then some, about an hour later, you're like, maybe I'll have a little bit more. Yeah. There you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not wasting the coop whiskey on you. What are you doing? <laughs> no, Your uninformed uh, pellet. I know. <laughs> I'm very uninformed. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Shots fired. But but that's cool. I mean, like I always watched. I always talked about like uh, I used to love watching Chopped, and you'd like hear these like really elegant chefs talk about how they like enjoyed the food, and I was like. Like, You're like I, I like hot dogs too, bro. I don't know if I could like, <laughs> like would that be the same for me? Maybe bok choy. Bridge is so blah blah blah. I'm like, I like have all those people yeah. and get that, and then get some dude on the street that you're like, here's a dude that we found that like goes to just like random, you know, here's just the normal guy. And he's like, yeah, I thought it was all right. Like that's like what I consider myself as. It's good though. It's good. It's we like, yeah, that. but it's we not as that. good as pizza. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing we can get too pretentious pizza. if we go yeah. too far in a direction where we're like, mm, mm, mm. yes, see, this scotch see, is yeah. shallow yeah. and this pedantic. Has yeah. <laughs> this has a petite fromage. <laughs> a little cheese? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, we digress. But I digress. This is the magic second half. Yeah. Oh, God. This is where the. Uh, this is where it gets embarrassing. The liquor starts taking hold. <laughs> If you've made it this far, keep going. It gets no, really okay. going. It the gets fun really half. fun. I promise. Best music school stories. Are you ready for this? Stories? I'm not going to do that, Skylar. Stories no. or memories. What did Skylar ask? Skylar just told me to take my shirt off. Oh, okay. <laughs> we just he just put it on. Just go. I just put it on. Rewind dude. the I'm podcast a little bit, and Henry was naked. I was doing beginning. the whole Chippendales thing. Bow tie, cuff, cuff links without the shirt oh, yeah, sleeves, man. and everything. Yeah. Stop it. He's just egging me on right now. All right. All right. So rude. Who's first? I'll go first because I brought it up and yeah. I blindsided it. Yeah, come on. Yeah, because so, um, I'm curious to see like what what your qualification for like like the best music yeah, school memory. But, Wait, memory? Or it's like just stuff so there's that like I the don't... academic stuff. There's all the stuff that like yeah. goes into it, all the performances, all the – anyway, I'll let you. I'm just – this is uh, – it could be anything, right? 
I feel like the first school I went to was called Citrus College, and what they taught me more than anything was the fact that, like, you got to show up and perform every time, and you are replaceable, and just having that mindset of it's more, if you treat it more like a job, you'll get more out of it, because you'll have respect for the music, and you'll have respect for the situation that you're in. Yeah. And I think they taught us to be more of uh, work-for-hire type people than, say, artists. And that's fine, because being a work-for-hire type guy is important if you're going to be in the middle of being an artist. you got to show up and perform, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I went to Cal Poly Pomona, which had like a much more lax attitude to pretty much everything. And because Citrus was super aggressive, but Citrus's results showed because, you know, all of my classmates are doing crazy things like, you know, drummer for Halsey, drummer for Andy mm. Grammer, uh, you know, owns his own uh, company doing wedding band stuff. You know, my alumni like are all like I'm the most embarrassing person from our graduating class from this community college. So and I'm really lucky to be, you know, in the same conversations as these other people who are still doing music. But bro, and, uh, you play with Robert John in the ring. Yeah, man. I don't have any regrets. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be excited in five years to have the same conversations with people where it's like, oh, um, yeah, I own a piece of all of this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. are all idiots. <laughs> no, no, but uh, um, one thing I remember that's sticking out in my mind, and I really think about this conversation like almost every day. I play drums. Is um. I had a professor at Cal Poly, his name was Arthur Weiner, and he used to be a mastering engineer at Universal, and then went to teach after, you know, doing that for a number of years. And he he took us to this thing at MI, um, which was pretty cool in general, to just go, oh, like, there's this really valuable thing at MI, they invited a bunch of colleges to go, like, you should, everyone should go, we're going to do this thing, we're going to all drive out there and go to MI. Uh, and it was an interview with Don Was, <clears throat> and Don Was was like a legendary producer. He's done tons of stuff for years and years and years. He did Black Crow's records. He did one of John Mayer's records. He did like, you know, he's like, he's like the bass player guy that is on like all the like what like the Grammys like house band kind of stuff with yeah. like Kenny Aronoff and all those people, right? He, yeah, he's touring with Bob Weir right, right. now. Yeah, Don Was is a legend. And I didn't know that before I went to this interview that I saw. Uh, and it was kind of cool because the guy who's interviewing him was this guy named Native Wayne. And uh, uh, I met Native Wayne before I even went there playing with a guy named Elon. So I knew the interviewer and the interviewee, and it felt really cool oh, nice. to like be old and in that room and know people who were going on. Anyways, he starts talking about uh, working with Rolling Stones and how Charlie Watts plays drums. And I think about this all the fucking time. And I hopefully I can uh, talk about this correctly. But Don Was goes, uh, I think about playing drums like a big fruit bowl. And the people who have good pockets are the ones that have these giant, big fruit bowls that you just sit right in the middle of, and you don't have to think about it. And he literally talked about, if you look in Pro Tools, there's a separation there between his bass drum and his hi-hat that is pretty noticeable. They are on two different time planes, and 
as a bass player, you have all the space in the world to try to fit into this time plane and sit in this thing. And that he talked about a lot of other stuff. He talked about playing with MC5 and like doing a lot of those sorts of things. But like that one nugget of information talking about how Charlie Watts plays drums in the Rolling Stones has stuck with me for the rest of my life. And I would have never like known to even go to this thing had it not been for music school and these people like providing these services for people yeah, like yeah. sharing all this information. And literally, I, I we talk about this all the time in rehearsals and things like that. Like that comes from Don was and that comes from that interview that was MI, and I would have never been in that situation had I not gone to Cal Poly, and these people were pointing us in the right directions. And that is my, you know, one of my stories about going to music school that I would have never been in that situation had I not done that. I, I have one more, but I'll do it at the end. I'll talk about it afterwards. Bobby, am I next? Anyone's yeah. next. Yeah, let's go around the, uh, go, go around the table. Um, God, the scotch is good, sir. Mine was a little different because I went to multiple schools. Uh, I, I went to Cal State Long Beach as a percussion major, and so I was mm. doing percussion. And uh, then I went to Citrus College, where Andrew went uh, to do like the songwriting program. And then I left there after a semester and tried to go back to Cal State, and then went on tour. So I didn't in, in that semester. And then I went back to Citrus to find my way and. I didn't finish that semester either. So, um, <laughs> but um, so the whole percussion thing um, was fun and great and had a good time. But um, the biggest outcome of of the music school at Citrus College was the people that I was meeting, yeah, and seeing how people in the industry are working. When, because if you don't get to see that hand like close up, you don't, you'll never know. You know, you just see people at the shows and stuff. But, um, so mine's really simple. But it's just the people that I met there is what I mem- remember most. I mean, yeah, because there, there's the classroom, but then mm-hmm. like ninety percent of it, especially with music school, I feel like happens. Yeah. Music school happens outside the classroom. Yeah. yeah. Out, well, I mean, I met Andrew there. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. We we kind of met. Yeah. Other, yeah. No. Outside definitely. of it, but you were there, mm-hmm. and you know, the, our friend Ewan who played with us on. Friday night. Yeah, yeah. that's where yeah. he met. I, I that made, was fucking awesome. Man. I made my second that was, record. That was so fun up there with all those guys. So my memory is more about the people that I met, mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the networking and the like. Most of the, the iterations of the first bands that you had were all from that school. Yeah, and all like different interchangeable sort of people. Like this guy's not working, so this guy mm-hmm. or this guy wants to go on this tour, so we're yeah, gonna take every, this guy. Everybody, yeah, yeah, pretty guy, much. So. That's where I met the you know musicians that weren't you know my high school friends yeah, you know yeah. that were actually wanting to do this and wanting to be a musician and artist and and if you hadn't, and, and if you hadn't gone to music school you wouldn't have met those people you no know? exactly like it, yeah it would have been completely different mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome um, so I guess I had more involvement in high school with regards to that um, I did go to I did take music classes and stuff in college but that was sort of when I was more introduced to the fundamental technical aspect of it which was the thing that I wasn't as familiar with and uh it just didn't it just didn't work for me at the time but in high school it was more sort of like a 
We we used to, we had this show schedule every year, right? So, Can you explain so, to people what kind of high school yeah, you went to or what right, it was? And, yeah, and so so basically what it was was it was this this after school extracurricular music program that you would attend and on your on your report card at the end of the year it was treated as a class just like everything else. So I uh, I found out about this through a, a mutual friend of mine that I'd met whose mom did administrative work for the program. And basically this program was called APA, and it's still going. It's at Huntington Beach. It's based out of Huntington Beach High School, but if you go anywhere in the Huntington Beach Unified School District, you can attend this program. Nice. And they've got a program for um, like a like an orchestra. They've got a program for musical theater. They've got a program for acting. They have a tech program. And then they have a popular music program, which is the one that I auditioned for. And that's basically... Every year, um, and they still do the same format. They they start off by doing uh, a Beatles show, and then they do a contemporary show where they sort of perform like modern indie music. And then the last show of the year is always uh, an iteration of this thing called Retrofest, where they focus on a theme of uh, just any old style of music. So. Like one year it was the eighties, um another year it was it was focusing on like um like John Hughes films. So the theme was nice. rock and roll high school, so it was like doing all the music from like uh Pretty in Pink and Breakfast Club and all that stuff. Um what's the other one? Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh Don't you What's the one with I'm drawing a blank. What's the one with Yeah, what's the one with Matthew McConaughey? Like I love high school girls. What is that? Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont. No, 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 no. It's Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused. Yeah. yeah, there were a bunch of songs off that. That. God damn! I was hoping to say the Christopher Nolan. No, movie no, no. Before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Surfer, but, dude? but it was, but it was, was cool because I would be a part of these performances every year, and and meanwhile like the whole time I'm getting into, um, getting into all this '60s and '70s kind of psychedelic blues rock stuff, and. And I think the coolest moment was like I I busted my ass in this program and I would practice all the time and I would learn all of my performances to a T. And uh, a lot of the videos of me playing guitar when I was 16, 17, 18 years old are still on YouTube. You can find entire concerts of me playing these, these shows. And I think the coolest kind of humbling, just like awesome validating moment was like my senior year we did this thing called Retro Festival which was uh it was it was basically kind of like it was like Woodstock basically you did all the music from that generation so there was a and I and I submitted a suggested playlist they let like seniors submit like a suggested playlist of songs that you play and about 60% of my playlist made it onto the show that's oh, awesome wow. so not only did I get to open the show by performing like a rolling stone by Bob Dylan but I got to be featured super prominently, and I was basically the MD for the whole show. That's like, awesome. Like I, nice. like, I got to, like, pour my heart and soul, and I was at school, like, 12 hours a day for, for like, two or three months every, you know, every week, basically. And I was just in there, like, just because I love all this music, and I wanted it to be done justice. So I was in there just sort of going, you know, this needs to be adjusted, and blah, 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 and... and uh, it, it was the cool part was like we did everything to click tracks so it would sync up to video footage. They would like sync up live performances of these songs being played in the background. So like um, we did "Hey Joe" by Jimi Hendrix, for example, and I played guitar in it. And in the background, it was it was 
synced up to live footage of Jimi Hendrix playing Hey Joe at the Monterey Pop Festival in wow. 1967. And it was this whole multimedia thing. And it, awesome. it was like my like coup de grace of like being in high school and going like all that time I spent feeling weird and isolated and stuff. And like, it came to this culmination of like yeah. all this hard work and, and, uh, just getting to like play all this music I cared about and, and sort of give people tips about it and go, you know, like, let's do this with it. And this is a great song. And I, I got to actually be behind a lot of like musical decisions that happened behind the scenes. And, it was just a super validating experience, and um, yeah, that's that's probably a like sort of a, a big defining component of of my identity just as a musician and everything. Yeah. And it's super cool, and it's like that. when you think about it, a lot of responsibility for it, it like was. an eighteen year old yeah. to take yeah. on. And what other you know, uh, you know, places you get a challenge yeah. like that that yeah. you're actually interested to that yeah. extent. And so. so I just it was it was just one of those cool moments where they they provide you with that responsibility and you just take it and run with it yeah. you know and you just go man like i love this music and i want to take charge on it and it was just really cool getting to be a part of it and like getting to sort of manage navigate these sort of political avenues of like you're talking to other high school students that are just as insecure as you are and yeah, 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 yeah. Just you know you, you don't want to tell people are they're doing a bad job because everybody's doing their best with what they can do but you're also you want to like because your your name is getting put on this when you when people open the show bill, it says you know uh, student producer yeah, yeah. Henry Schnakeluth oh, yeah. on the on the show bill and so it was like this this huge kind of thing that that was just super rad to be a part of and get to sort of take the helm on and uh, yeah it was like a huge sort of a moment for me and I didn't I wasn't really mature enough to realize it at the time but it definitely was like a big part of my personality and and my like my teachers getting to see how hard i was working on mm. being a good guitar player and being a good musician and stuff and uh just just sort of here you go kid it's this is yeah. your this no, is your time cool. to shine and especially that age too yeah, yeah. it was a, it was really important to have that responsibility cuz it kept me in line and then um just as a quick thing uh, another really cool moment was i i took a leap of faith in college a couple years later and uh, I joined a jazz improv class mm-hmm. and I, as a guitar player, and I didn't know anything about jazz, so I just joined kind of like, all right, we'll, we'll see where this goes. And Whatever so, I do, it'll yeah, just be jazz. We, we did a final <laughs> recital yeah. uh, in front of like five, 600 people in the auditorium yeah. at OCC, and before he introduced the song, my, my teacher was like, he, he spent like a minute introducing me and going yeah. you know this kid has chops and he has promise and he's gonna have a really fulfilling music career and i'm really excited to see where he takes it and so that was like another cool moment where it's like i took this really uncomfortable leap of faith and went for this thing that i was like i don't even know if i'm gonna do this well or not and it wound up being really fulfilling and my you know my my teacher of that class uh went out of his way to say this guy is doing it you know yeah. like, Man, they were not as nice at my school. <laughs> it was a community college, so it's like yeah. mine was a community college too, and they kicked our asses. Yeah, uh, war. Um, okay, well, uh, I went to Musicians Institute uh, for people who don't know, and I actually went there for drums for anybody yeah, who doesn't dude, know. Robert about that. and Warren went to school for drums. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Uh, with that being said, I, th- I think the first thing that I realized at music school is 
that I did not really know what practice was, what real, real practice was, because you get to music school and you realize that there are some freaking smoking players out mm-hmm. there. Um, and I still feel like I'm trying to figure out what real practice is, but that was one thing that I got there because like when I was growing up, predominantly what I was doing was, you know, you'd work on fills and maybe a couple grooves, but predominantly you were playing to records and we were, I was playing with people. I did a lot of playing with other people and we did all these DIY shows. And when I got to school, it was like, oh shit, there's like some people who like, who like probably don't have as much maybe gig experience you could say, even though I wouldn't really consider them gigs because they're house parties and all that early shit, but they were monsters. And and that was the first thing going to music school. And that memory sticks with me as like, Hey, it's one of those, no matter how hard you work, there's somebody out there who is working just as hard as you. And kind of like the thing that you were saying, Andrew, where, Hey, you, you can be replaceable. So you need to, and, and that was just the whole ass kicking mentality of getting to school. But, um, and the, the thing that I most remember about school and kind of picking back off Robert is just the connections that you meet there. And, um, it's really inspiring to see a lot of like, you know, since social media, so, uh, uh, so necessary nowadays, I could almost say, um, I still follow everybody that I went to school with and everybody who who really had their mind focused on music is still doing that and it's really inspirational to look out and see people doing all sorts of stuff. But there was one person and he was a teacher in particular and his name was Chuck Silverman and he was he was in charge of the Latin department at MI and um, I, I don't remember how old he was. I think he was in his late 60s or early 70s. But uh, he ran the Latin department, and he was a Canadian, a Canadian guy, and he was Jewish. So he was like the furthest thing that you would expect somebody who really knows Latin music. And there were people who spoke, who came to our school, who like from Cuba, from Mexico, from Brazil, and they would be like, "I want to study with Chuck Silverman because that is the, wow. Latin, the Latin, like <laughs> the Latin dude." And he was such a cool guy, and getting to pick his brain and hang out with him. Um, he used to take everybody down or he would, you would, you could enroll in a class and he'd take you down for two weeks and you'd go to Cuba and smoke cigars and play hand percussion. And because it was a class, he could get these, this, this, uh, access to go to the country. And, uh, this was back in like 2000 and, uh, 2009. So yeah. Pre Obama. Yeah. Like before things were really crazy and I really wish I did it. And I'm, I'm bummed because he did, he, he passed away after I had left the school, but he was one of those staples at that school of just like a source of information. And he was funny. He would crack jokes and he was just like one of those teachers that you're like, dude, that guy, makes it fun he knows his shit and like that was definitely one of my highlights of going to school is being able to study with him and uh i'm not much of a latin player on drums anymore because i haven't played anymore but like the rhythms and everything is so universal and it's so applicable to so many different types of music and you know clave has been ripped off in so many different times without really getting you know like in techno music and house music like those pulses and patterns and three over Foot, all that sort of stuff is just awesome and and that's what i would say is just the connections that you meet at music school whether it's the the players or the teachers that is the shit that you go there for and uh yeah that's all i got to say <laughs> nice. right, rest in peace chuck silverman he was a fucking badass
So. <laughs> I did not go to music school. I am I am a biology slash math nerd. Interesting. Um, but <laughs> no, it's cool to hear you talk about teacher. I'll I'll bring this back to music. My my music career ended in sixth grade when my parents let me quit piano because I was too afraid to do a recital. Um, I was I was that anxious child. But it's tough when you're that young, man. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, my my teacher wanted me to do a recital, and I was like, nope. Butterflies are serious, man. But I I found my calling as a math teacher, and I started at Fusion seven years ago. So I think a lot of you guys maybe and people in general know that math is never the subject that most people like. Um, Usually that middle school, junior high range when things start to get tricky. And if you don't have a good teacher, it it gets really tough. So... um, I I've always loved teaching math because it it's more of a confidence thing mm-hmm. to me and um and working at Fusion where the classroom's one to one and it's all about figuring out what makes you as a kid tick and what are your interests and finding the it doesn't have to be just about like let's do 1 to 43 odd as homework and let's let's talk about what mm-hmm. the 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 beauty of the patterns are and let's relate those patterns to music and let's relate yeah. those patterns wow. to nature. I, sorry, and, sorry to interrupt. I was always okay. a math person too. Like my whole family is math and science, so I was raised with a lot of math and science. And when I started losing, uh, losing, uh, learning music theory, it that's it was all just that to me. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with anything. Mm-hmm. It was minus one this, plus one this. Yeah. And you start to learn chords and stuff with numbers. And it's much easier with numbers than it is with note names. I, I still am really bad at note names to this day, but I can tell you numbers like the back yeah. of my hand patterns. You know, <laughs> conversely, positions. conversely, I'm the exact opposite. Like, well, because you have perfect yeah, pitch. Like, we all like have fucking perfect always, pitch. All, <laughs> all, oh, that's always, yeah. But I, but I'm really like I like uh, like. But it's funny that you said that because right around middle school. I started playing guitar in middle school, and that was right around when, like, like I won, like, a math award in elementary school for something, for being good at math. And then literally, like, sixth grade, I started, like, getting into rock music and wanting to play guitar, and all the math was just, like, I can't keep up with this. Mm-hmm. And I started really struggling with it and not getting yep. good grades in math Once anymore. we got past addition, subtraction, right, multiplication, yeah, it was like, division. It was like, it was <laughs> like yeah. nope, they, I don't they, know They throw the letters anymore. in there, yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. learning yeah. a different language. I was just yeah. struggling with it. And most of our students come to us because they struggle in a traditional setting, whether it's just because they learn differently or think differently or um, just just need someone to pay attention to them as a human. So uh, it's really cool to be a teacher in that setting and, and build the confidence back up with our students and the fact that we do have music as an option concurrent with their classes. They can yeah. take recording arts or learn guitar or wow. just a tutoring session to fiddle around and see what they want. And so, so many of our kids are coming to us feeling like they're a failure because that's what school has told them and that's mm. the, the story they're telling themselves. And to, to see them be able to build that creativity and find a passion when they're in the music studio. Or we had a student in Spanish recently, and he's a drummer. He came into us as a drummer, and the fact that he comes to school to us is because we've got a music studio, and that's like his outlet, mm. and, and, it's, and it makes school worthwhile to him. His Spanish teacher said, 
said, okay, for this unit assessment, you're going to teach me how to play drums in Spanish. And the fact that we can tailor whatever we're doing wow. to the kids' interests, so so it, cool. it changes the trajectory of what school means to them and, yeah. and gives them a completely different outlook on what their future could look like. So um, music is a big part of our, our program at school because it just gives the students uh, – a different avenue to just play and explore and build confidence and, and find a passion that they didn't even know that they had. Um, so yeah, in the last seven years, I've grown more confident as a human, as mm-hmm. just a person wow. working there. I can have my Star Wars decals on the wall and my Legos <laughs> on my, my shelf. And it's all about like being an authentic person. You and, and Phil must be really good friends. Then. We are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, as as a math, te- I don't get to be in the classroom anymore as assistant director. But uh, yeah, to be a math teacher there and to f- figure out, uh, like, tell students that that they actually can learn and they are good at something that they've been told for years that they're not good at. And the fact that yeah, right across my room, we've got kids banging away on the drums or belting their hearts out. It's it's just awesome. awesome. Wow. Uh, one of my best friends is a math teacher for high school, and he tells me that. When you learn math, it's all it all stacks on top of each other. So if you you do bad on one lesson, mm-hmm. the lesson the next day isn't going to make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's what ends up <clears throat> happening to people. Yeah. Why they think they're bad at math is because they missed one lesson, yeah. and yeah. now the whole rest of the year is over their head, and they just feel like a failure because they mm-hmm. missed one piece yeah. of this bigger puzzle. It's all cumulative, so... If you miss that, you're fucked. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's, that's exactly what happened to me. I, I think that's what happens to everyone because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so... Yeah. Not me. I was really good in math. <laughs> no, you weren't. Uh, I was. We were the naturals, Robert. But, yeah, that's what in the one-to-one <laughs> setting, that's what's amazing about it because if you're not getting it, you're the only one in the room and yeah, I'm the teacher they're, across they're not, the desk from you. They're not going to go back in time. If you missed it, you yeah. have to make it up. But if you don't even know that yeah. you have to make it up, then... You're screwed for everything you, a, you do in the future. It's a belt. It's like this train is moving. If you can't, if you miss a day or you miss a lesson, you're just yeah, kind of screwed. Well, and the, the other thing about math is there's generally there's only like one answer. It's not like mm-hmm. when you get yeah. those English questions, there's like, yeah. well, how do you feel about this? Oh, and you're I like, no, and, it's, yeah. and, it's, and, and it's that totally abstract. fucks with your self-confidence too because Absolutely. like you're going to be wrong like so much more than you're going to be right because mm-hmm. you're learning the system. But maybe that's a good thing You know too. what I mean? I mean, yeah, it teaches humility and shit, but, like, unless you get taught, you know, or if you don't understand the concept and the rest of the class moves right, on and you're right. like, that didn't make sense in the way that you explained yeah. it, now, like, for the next six weeks, yeah. like, everything I do is wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, I, and that fucks with your, psych- oh, with yeah. your psyche. No, yeah. what you're talking about with confidence, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. that, like yeah. it yeah. does not do well with your no, confidence. Never. It's like, this answer is wrong, yeah. and it's 100% wrong. It's not like English where it's like... And especially at that age when, like, you know, when, when you're in junior high and, like, especially early years of high school, like, your body's going through changes. Like, you're already feeling yeah, you're, insecure you're about everything. Yeah. issues that you're doing. And then you're told that you're wrong all the time yeah. and shit. Like, that's why I just, I yeah. just gave up on math. Yeah. I'm like, well, this fuck it. I, I think a lot of people do. That's oh, what yeah, my totally. friends say as well. Yeah. It's just they give up, you yeah. know. Like, well, I can count to yeah. four and I can do a couple fractions, eighths and sixteenths, right, right. maybe 30 <laughs> seconds. Like, I don't I'm need, good. I don't need calculus to balance my checkbook, bro. And I remember so many times being that kid in the class, like, looking around when the teacher's like, does everybody get 
that and I'm like, I do, I have no idea what just happened, and nobody's raising their hand. Oh, I, I would full and on I, say no. I'd yeah, be like, and no, I, and I, I and I'm I the kid that's like, that's like, I don't get and this at like, all. all right, like, and on. I'd be too, I'd be paralyzed. Like, I would yeah. literally be physically paralyzed out of just pure insecurity and self consciousness mm-hmm. of like. I can't, like, I can't, I literally can't physically move myself to raise my hand to say, I don't get it. Can I, can I bring this back to music school real quick? Another thing, another one of those eye-opening points at music school is I had a teacher who said, if you're going to make a mistake, make that fucking mistake. Yeah. Make it big. Make it Make loud. it obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you understand that yeah. that was the wrong thing to do. So when you go back the next time, you know the right thing to do. And like, I feel like that's almost mm-hmm. kind of a, mm-hmm. that a same idea yes. there is like, hey, you're going to make a mistake, but at least you know it's wrong. So the next time you do it, you can do the right thing. And Music yeah. is all failure and then repetition mm-hmm. right. and then figuring it out. That's right. what you figure out in practicing is that, yeah. like, that's why it takes so much more practicing. It is, it, I guess it's less right or wrong and more like it either sounds good and makes you feel something or it doesn't. And. You have to figure out what the difference between those sounds are. Like, what are the sounds that make you feel something versus the ones that don't? And your test is the audience, and the audience will let you know if those things are correct or not. And it's 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 a different kind of, I guess, intelligence because you have to read people. You have to be proficient at what you're doing physically, like it's a like it's a sport or something like yeah, that. Mm-hmm. And then it's also math because you have to deal with all the patterns that you're dealing with on your instrument. So it's yeah. it's a lot of things. It's a I've heard That's, people yeah. describe it as like trying to play a football game while you're solving a math problem or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know. Well, it's and it's crazy because it's the first thing to get cut from public school systems. Yeah, to think you that know, it's it, but sort it of not so many boxes with you know all the other stuff, everything else, like even down to just the the you know social aspects of music and that, learning how to yeah. work with people. Like. That's something that, you know, they're all teams. You have yeah. to learn how to work yeah. with teams. I yeah. definitely learned that in college where I was being an asshole to people and they definitely let me know about it. Yeah. So, and, uh, past that is like, even the social aspect that we've got from playing so many gigs and meeting so many people after all these years, I meet people now and I'm like, Oh, you don't know just how to go up and talk to a random stranger? And I forget how foreign that is to, like, Mm -hmm. oh, yes, I've been doing this across bars for the last 10 years, like, talking to strangers and doing weird stuff. And I I don't feel any kind of, you know, like, fear anymore when it comes to talking to someone. But... Uh, normally y- you would, you know, like I, 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 it took me whatever, five years of talking to random strangers at bars to figure out people aren't going to hurt me or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that to act like it is not important to the rest of education in general, or that it doesn't have something to offer, say any other job that we do like is, uh, I, not correct. <laughs> I've learned how to do everything through music. I've yeah. learned how to do yeah. everything better oh through music. Yeah. And usually most of the people who do it are more effective than someone who just works at the company. Like you guys work at companies, right? I'm sure you're more effective than the average person who works there because you have to work twice as hard because you know you're going on tour and you know you have to be valuable <laughs> to that company or else they're going to fire you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Super convincing. No, I mean, and I'm I'm grateful to have that position. 
Totally. But you got to work for it. And music taught me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have to try? Do we have more things to try? No, we'll, we'll try this stuff next time. Too. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. Steve has not told a story about music. Yeah, he, no, I, I think my... And I'll, I'll keep it quick. I think um, my biggest thing with, with music school is kind of piggybacking off of, of uh, what you said, Warren, with, with your teacher, where it's like, just make the mistakes loud, you know, like, get up there and, like, go for it. And I feel like since I've left, because I, so, graduated high school, went to Chapman here in Orange County for music composition and film production, dropped out after my third semester to produce music and do videography for the Young Americans, um, out in Corona, Corona uh, performing arts organization, travels internationally, produced for them, taught at their college, helped international tours go out and work with kids all over the world to keep music systems alive in schools. You can check them out at youngamericans.org um, for more. But uh, after leaving them and going to the uh, LA Recording School, trying to do the studio thing, having that ultimately fail, and then coming back into just being a dude with all this cool experience that has fucking nothing and trying to start over from scratch, um, it was, it all harkened back to uh, being in like high school choir and my high school choir director, Mr. Libertor, just being like, dude, like sing the wrong note and sing it loud and be confident in it so that you know that you can fix it. And stuff, and everything else since then, since 2010, when I moved back down to SoCal, um, it has been one thing after another of like, here's an opportunity. Do you want it? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it, and let's do it loud. And I'm either gonna get fired on the spot, or I'm gonna surprise myself. Like, and you just throw yourself into the fire. And worst thing that can happen is you end up right where you already are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was such a beautiful thing to, to learn. Like, and uh, Mr. Libertor also, um, like, he would have me, like, I was a section leader for the choir. Like, he would have me just, like, conduct rehearsals with, you know, people. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. But he's like, hey, you play piano. You understand the material. Like, just get up in front of all of your classmates, like, as a sophomore. You know what I mean? And, like, teach this next part. Like, I got to go make more copies or some shit. You know? <laughs> like, and it was and it was awesome. Classic like, music teacher. <laughs> no, but, like, he copies. did it. He's just no, like, it, it was... It, no, no, because he, he had a bunch of... Like, he was always one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. And, uh, and I got my passion for music and my passion for teaching, which I went on to teach choral music uh, for nine years in public and private school systems and stuff before... I started playing with Robert, and uh, and it was just beautiful to to be like, hey, like you can't fail because you're not going to let yourself fail. You might not do you know what's exactly required, but just get up there and do it because there's no pressure. Like if nothing gets taught, then you know at least you learned something, so something got taught. You know what I mean? And that was just a beautiful thing that that kept me going and even still to this day like I'll get hit up about something and I'm like I don't know if I can do it but fuck it do I have the time like yeah let's do it and let's let's go for that fake you know? it till you make it well it's not it's not even faking it though man like cuz you're doing the work you know it's like I I didn't know about doing you know any graphics or any you know photoshop anything or 
like video or anything like that until you start doing it. And when you start doing it, you you do it, and you can always learn more and always become better at at whatever craft that is. But if you just turn down an opportunity because you're you know afraid of making mistakes, like you're never gonna do fucking anything, you know. So I don't know. Wise so, words from Steve Majora. Thank you, Mr. Libertor, for for uh, instilling <laughs> that in me. There was a uh, mu- L- musically Lipitors and Lipitor Lipitor Lib- Liberator. Okay, yeah, Lipitor. Um, and uh, <laughs> but when, I was one thinking of the, the same thing. One I'm of the really first things that, that happened for uh, for for me musically was that uh, specifically with my high school choir was we would do a fundraiser show with staff and students every year, and it was always like. Like we did, uh, uh, it was like Brave Heart and Soul was one of them. So like one of the uh, the parents, we'd take a bunch of Motown songs and then like, you know, put the story behind it, you know, and everything and make this musical with like 150 people in the choir. And then all the staff was involved too. And they were, and you actually got to perform with your teachers, which is really cool. Like English department, math department, everybody came out and like jumped into the show with the choir, which was really fun. Raised a bunch of money for the school. And uh, I remember he gave me a mixtape on cassette and was like, here's the tunes, like, learn uh, everything that's not piano and stuff. So it was like, it, that was my first pit orchestra work that I'd ever done. It was like junior year of high school. And I was also still singing in the choir and doing other stuff. But when I wasn't out front on stage, I was back there at my keyboard doing all the strings and all the horns and just had to figure it out. Like, and it and that's what I've pretty much been doing for my entire life since then. You know what I mean? Is is doing figuring so, it and out. Figuring and it out. So, for anyway. for anybody who doesn't know, Steve makes some freaking phenomenal uh, 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 support tracks for this sort of uh, like musical theater background stuff that has like. 90 layers of shit that's <laughs> mind-blowing, yeah, yeah. like real, real good. So I applaud you for that's that. That's fun. And I've been yeah. doing that since I was 14, you know, like started when I was 14 for, you know, church, uh, uh, children's musicals and stuff. And then that's what I did for the Young Americans was creating essentially karaoke tracks for uh, without vocals for people to uh, perform and dance to so that they didn't have to hire an orchestra and then still doing it now and uh most recently for uh robert's alma mater and uh i know robert and henry and born have all laid down on some of those tracks and stuff drums are easy to program yeah (laughs) 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 yeah i feel like we've all had pretty positive music school experiences whether we stuck with you know going or not i i think we're we all benefited from Doing it absolutely. Who who actually graduated out of everybody who went? I'm just curious. High school. Oh, not not high. No, music school. I graduated music. You graduated too too? from MI. Me and Warren. Yeah, I I have an associate's degree in music. I got my certificate in audio engineering from uh, LA Recording School, but that was before they were accredited. Oh no, I got like an associate's degree. I guess it's like real college accredited. Uh, I don't know what bachelor's degree, and I don't know why. Because you did I think four years, huh? Did you do four years? I did almost like seven years of college. <laughs> wow! Because I was touring all at the same time, so I'd just like sort yeah. of go and then sort of leave, and then sort of go and sort of leave. But uh, I did four years at Citrus of just like basically really intensive drum stuff, and 
everyone stayed at that school for about four years. It wasn't, even though it was a two-year college, everyone stayed for four years. Uh, and then, uh, like, I went to music business and other sort of school at Cal Poly. And basically, by that point, we were already, like, going on tour all the time. So I was like, why am I going here? And I thought that few years was kind of unnecessary, even though I learned some cool stuff and did some cool stuff, like I said, like that was, Citrus was more, way more aggressive than that state school could have ever been, so. Um. My high school tennis team practiced at Citrus College. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, they had like a whole recording program and a like multi-million dollar recording studio that they built in there, and they were the, one of the first colleges to do a recording program. They have a crazy musical theater program that's built over, like, you know, decades of uh, this guy named Ben Bollinger just uh, totally, uh, you know, basically building a whole community from scratch. It's it's crazy how important uh, just certain people are to building these places. Anyways, I think we can all agree that music school was important in our lives. And so, music, oh, yeah, because of school. Music, yeah. music school, you and me got to perform at Stagecoach yeah. in a drum line. Yeah. That was just because of music school. Yeah, we have a lot of stories. <laughs> well, we because have to of music school, these. I'm, I'm And I, I intentionally guys, didn't talk much. about Alan yeah. Waddington because I could be, I feel like, A, we can maybe get him on the podcast because that guy has, like, more stories than anyone would have in their entire lifetime. He's played with, like, Bon Jovi and Counting Crows and Willie Nelson and all these nice. other people and, like, is basically like this crazy guru of a person that is incredibly wise and is mm-hmm. responsible for all those people that I said earlier <laughs> that have all these gigantic pop gigs now or gigs in Vegas and he's been teaching over decades and producing pretty crazy results. So we'll have Alan on the podcast yeah, hopefully at yeah, some point. Right. And I could talk about Alan at length and I could bring in another drummer here to talk about Alan at length for like hours and Robert knows, but uh, we've had a lot of cool stories because of that. So anyways, that's good. I think we need to close it out. Yeah. Oh, I do. Have, oh, I'm sorry. So, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Let's I'm, not cut off. These I'm going to be, wonders. I'm going to be very, uh, very quick with this, but um, for the pick of the week, I kind of hijacked it this week and I'm going to go with the Dentec complete clean, they are handheld flossing Can devices. I Pun yes. intended. No, they are fucking Pick amazing. Of the week. So, oh yeah. Oh, very nice. That was a good, that was a good pun. Joke um, of the week. It's the one thing I've said this whole time. So here's the thing with these. Uh, I hate flossing because it. I use my hands uh, to make my living, and I don't like tying to wipe little, your tears. You use your hands to wipe your tears. To wipe my tears. And uh, I don't like having, uh, I don't like regular flossing, like putting my own fingers in my mouth. You know, it's a pain in the ass. It always gets awkward. Like, I've got big, thick cheeks, so it, it hurts to stretch my mouth out to get to the back molars and stuff. No, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it, yeah, I've got whatever. the bunker's cheeks. Yeah. So these things are great um, because they are basically just a little stick with a little half moon and a string on there. And there's a bunch of them in the bag. It's like 40 plus uh, to the bag. It's like five bucks for the bag, so you're paying pennies on the dollar for uh, for clean teeth and healthy gums. My dad's a dentist. He'd be proud. Oh, I love these things. And the nice thing, I, I don't do them at, I don't use them at home, actually. Um, I keep them in my car. And so when I'm sitting in traffic, 
that's what I do. I'll listen to music or I'll do vocal warm-ups and just clean my teeth in traffic. And so uh, my dad always did. Do you use one for all of your teeth? I feel like one for like your first quarter of your mouth and then one for the like four. I feel like I don't know. Do you just use one the whole time? I normally just use one per flossing, right? Because how many times do you normally like re up on floss, regular floss when you're flossing? Well, I, I re up on floss quite quite often actually because <laughs> I <laughs> it sounds it sounds the rails guys uh, because I actually I put out a like the thing I don't like about those but m- maybe you use I gotta use them more is uh, you do you floss with one thing and then that has all the shit for all the other teeth whereas like one stringy thing you can kind of like clean it off as you go well yeah no normally I'll just I'll just suck the plaque off or whatever like because <laughs> it's, it's got oh, it's got one string you're talking about cleanliness here it's already in your fucking mouth like uh, why are you getting weird about that I, I, i'm not getting weird i just thought it was funny <laughs> it's on the back of your teeth if you don't floss anyway like you know that's a good, that's a anyway, good point it's a very so valid point they are awesome and they're uh, mint flavored and uh, a bunch of them come in there and then the uh so you have the the floss side, which is a little like half moon <laughs> section that you can put in your teeth, uh, is easy to rotate around in your mouth uh, to get the back molars and stuff, so you don't have to stretch out your your cheeks. And then uh, also, there's like a pick end that's got little uh, little bristles on it too, so that if like you know right at the top Christmas, of your teeth, Christmas tree, you can get a you can get right there in the gums and uh, and really get that that. Sh- Shit off your teeth. All right, you cheek stretchers. It's yeah, time yeah. to close this motherfucker out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Bye, so, everybody. See you guys later. Uh, we're going to be, uh, again, this Thursday, Field we're doing trip. a special oh, wait. Um, Thursday trio uh, industry night thing with uh, Andrew, Robert, and I. Uh, it's going to be half off drinks and uh, Friday we're at the cliff. Thirty percent. Friday we're at the cliff. Off, yeah, and then Friday at the cliff. And then Saturday we're at Field Trip Tickets on us. We will have tickets on us both Thursday and Friday. Find Henry in the streets. Pick them up for Saturday. I'll be in the streets. I'll be walking around. Mug him. Be walking around. Tickets. Just mug him. Take them all. And, Why would you uh, tell people to do that? That's so mean. Okay. Do don't, you actually don't like mug me, him. Warren? Mug the guy next to Henry and then get yeah. tickets and then, from Yeah, Henry. take his money to yeah. buy the hold, tickets from Hold Henry. the guy next to me hostage so that I give you the tickets in exchange for his safety. Like tickets for What well, if you don't know him? Why would you care about his safety? We can't pay our bills with safety, Yeah, Henry. we can't pay our bills with people. Mug him we for can, money. We can pay our bills with the humbleness and kindness that is within my heart. No, you can't. Yes. You fucking hit John won't pay the bills. <laughs> big, big thanks to uh, Christina Bunkers for joining us tonight. Go check, out, go check out Fusion Academy if you have kids and uh, you would like them to have better education. Or you want to uh, teach music. Or you want to teach music. Yes. Uh, www.fusionacademy.com mm-hmm. Right? And uh, Or you can follow them uh, Christina's specific location, Fusion Mission Viejo. Mission Viejo on we got Instagram. 60 yeah. campuses across the country, though, so Ooh. find us. Wow. Oh, yeah. Dang. And, uh, yeah, be good to each other. Uh, make sure to wash your fucking hands and uh, get ready. ready.